This Conversation, presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. It's not often that we get to meet living legends, much less spend some time with them. That's why I was excited and a little nervous when Cannon gave me the opportunity to sit with Bruce Dorn. I've known of Bruce for a very long time, but I never imagined I'd get to have a conversation with him. I was continually struck by all that he's been through, all that he's seen and captured. And I'm quite certain I don't know the half of it, or even the half of 1% of it. Bruce has lived a very full life, and I have a feeling that he's not done by a long shot. Have fun with this one, friends. I know I did. Oh, and if you want to see what we look like, you can watch this interview and many others on our YouTube channel. This conversation with Jed Toffer on YouTube. Enjoy. There was a time when I was a uh, stunt driver <laughs> as a little part-time gig uh, when I worked in Hollywood. So uh, mechanical things, all about it. Built a, built a bunch of race cars, a bunch of motorcycles back before the uh, Harley building things became suitable for television, uh, episodic television. I was doing that stuff in Hollywood. So gearhead, you know. So being a gearhead is kind of your jam outside of photography and videography and cinematography. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, a, I, if it's appropriate in cocktail conversation to try to uh, drop something in the conversation that sounds cool. I'm a professional adventurer as well. I write for uh, the Overland Journal, which is a uh, uh, the magazine for mechanized travel and uh, I do uh, overland vehicle builds. I write reports from trips in remote places around the world. So, so does uh, that in my in my mind that involves you being somewhere exotic with a four wheel drive vehicle? Yes, kind of going off into the sunset, having very little idea of what is around the next corner. Well, we so I was a part of Expeditions 7, which was uh, an attempt to set a Guinness World Record uh, by driving the same vehicles across all seven continents. I managed four of them. Uh, I was in the hospital for a few of them. Um, but we left Prudhoe Bay in Alaska, uh, drove down to Flagstaff, Arizona, turned left, went to New York City, turned left, went to Cape Spears, then... The team went to Iceland, then I met him in Norway, we drove to the top of the world in Norway, and then we drove to St. Petersburg, Russia, and I missed the road of bones across Russia, and we came back to Sarah Palin's house, basically just- <laughs> Wasilla. Yeah, Wasilla, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've been there. Yeah, well, you know how fantastic it is, yeah. But I love, uh, Well, I love Alaska. Alaska's, that's unreal to me. Alaska's like so big, I can barely believe it. Well, then you would really love Norway. Oh, I Norway you know, the, everybody goes and does the, the uh, cruises on the fjords. I prefer mm -hmm. Chiavis to fjords. Um, but uh, uh, driving it is spectacular. And New Zealand oh. is spectacular. If you like 
Alaska type uh, look. You, you'd really love those places. And then we did uh, we did uh, Australia and Africa and team did South America. Anyway, they, they managed to do Antarctica and all seven continents. I was on for four. Uh, I sort of routinely go out and do crazy stuff like that. So, yeah. Did you fun. have... Did you have any idea when you were younger that any of this was going to be what your life was going to be like? Um, you know, I, I, I was training to be an illustrator. I, I can draw and paint and all that stuff naturally. And I was always uh, romping around in the forest. Uh, grandmother had a farm and stuff like that. Um I was, I guess I always kind of imagined that a life of adventure was in my future. And, uh, I've never had done an honest day's work, uh, in my life. I just do whatever, uh, entertains me. And then somehow money arrives occasionally. (laughs) So, and I I recommend it. That leads me to, uh, really what I wanted to start with. First of all, let's do a little bit of a formality and just tell me the, the, the formal piece, who you are and what you do and, and things of that nature so that we have that content. Okay. Um, for context, um, I'm about to turn 69 years old. I've been a, a pro basically since I was 19. I started making money with a camera uh, while I was uh, in my sophomore year of college. Um, I was discovered by Condé Nast. I entered a competition uh, that was put on by Condé Nast, which uh, publishes Vogue, uh, Glamour, all the those brands. And uh, I was had never been on an airplane in my life. Uh, first trip was to New York City uh, to become a uh, guest art director for Mademoiselle magazine. Uh, from there, my second airplane trip was to Paris to shoot runway and then Rome. And then I had a 4,000 square foot loft on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan when I was 21. So I was a fashion photographer who never wanted anything to do with fashion. Uh, And you can see I'm very fashionable. Um, Got into hard news, started shooting for Time Life uh, when they started People Magazine as a small format version of Life Magazine. Uh, And there were actually photo essays and stuff in People back then. Business Week, Money Magazine, all the brands that they had uh, taught. At, uh, didn't like, didn't like living in New York. You know, I mean, I kind of an outdoorsman. Uh, so started heading generally west. Ended up doing a sabbatical replacement for someone at uh, the Fine Art Campus of Indiana and Purdue Universities in Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, taught there for six years, um, developed the photo program there, started the process of developing the photo program. Uh, then moved to Phoenix, uh, doing annual report work, segued into doing commercial filmmaking. My first commercial filmmaking project went to the Clio Awards and uh, I was up against the biggest special effect house in the world. They offered me a job as creative director, went to Hollywood, worked there 20 years, I guess. And now I'm semi-retired in Prescott, Arizona, but we pronounce it Prescott, and been a Canon Explorer of Light for 18 years, I think. Um, Writer, uh, director, been in the Directors Guild for uh, since 84, whatever that is, and um, TV commercials, um, uh, high-risk cinematography, 
um, whatever, like I said, I, I try not to do an honest day's work, whatever rolls across my, my bow. I try to take a few shots at and, um, fun, just having fun, focus on fun. You remind me of Sean, uh, kind of a mix between Sean Penn's character in, in, uh, <laughs> Walter Mitty with uh, Ben Stiller and 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 the most interesting man in the world. You're kind of like this conglomerate. Like you you start saying things and I and I have no idea what you're going to say next. But I have I have this sense that whatever you say is is just going to be amazing and crazy and something that I. It makes me wonder. It makes me wonder. Is there a section of your life? It's not necessarily the, we don't have to play favorites here, but is there a section of your life as you even reminisce about it briefly, where that right away as you're talking about it, you think, "Mm, those, those were the years like that was a piece of time in my life that just stands out above all the rest. As you say, all these things. Well, you know, I, I hit Hollywood when I turned 30. Uh, it was around the type of, time of uh, Miami Vice and the original Top Gun. I was kind of, I, I not kind of, I am known for my uh, dramatic lighting, not this, but um, known for, for highly stylized stuff. And during the British new wave that came through with Ridley yeah. Scott, Tony Scott, Adrian Lyon, yes. I was, uh, I, I was swept in on that wave. So it was, the 80s was the era of, inordinately high budgets um crazy uh uh, brave bravery on the part of ad agencies and i was a bachelor and i was racing motorcycles and cars and spending big budgets so that was a pretty good 10 years you know pretty good 10 years i've heard that i've heard i mean i was a kid in the 80s but so i remember the 80s but i you know i think of top gun as a big thing michael jackson i was wondering about the scott brothers when you were when you started to mention that that's who i that's who i first think of is is ridley and and, and tony scott in the 80s yeah and and you mentioned michael jackson we were shooting on a soundstage next to michael jackson during the white glove phase Yep. He was over there doing a music video with mm, music video director from Chicago, Joe something. Anyway, um, my sound man tapped into his wireless mics. And he calls me over, Bruce, Bruce, I got Michael's wireless. And I go, we'll record everything. And we Come actually, had, yeah, yeah. And we actually had the recording of him going into the men's room with his entourage. He drops his little <laughs> white glove into the urinal. No. And he, yeah, he threw a hissy fit and he, he had one of his giant gentlemen uh, yes. fish it out, and uh, we had it. And it was pre-YouTube, pre-interwebs, so we didn't have anything to do with it that we could do with it except enjoy it enormously. Oh, and I wish unreal. I still had it. Uh, I was going to say I, I was popped in to listen to one of your podcasts just to, to recognize your voice and stuff, and uh, Parker, Parker Feister. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. How's he would, anyway, he refers to me as a dude. He's convinced that I'm, uh, um, <laughs> what's his name, you know, with the yeah, robe. The dude, and, man, the dude the, abides. The dude. Yeah, the dude abides. Yeah, I can't yeah. see Parker. I can't see Parker at a convention without him going, dude, and you know, yeah. going over. So that works too. That that all fits. I I was wondering if you could. 
I would like to hear you essentially tell that story about you being discovered. I read about that, and I was trying to imagine what that would be like. You said that, what, you were a grease monkey, and you were essentially fixing something on your girlfriend's car or something like that, and then, like, the week after that, your globe Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah. You know, so I was uh, working out of Texaco doing tune-ups and lube jobs and stuff. She worked at the mall, and shockingly we were running out of things in common and uh so i was buying a car magazine and the women's interest magazines were over there so i kind of sidled down the magazine rack picked up the first magazine which was mademoiselle it fell open to a competition uh for college students i went eh, bought the magazine i won the they had two competitions uh guest editors uh, get a guest editorships and a photo competition i think i won both the photo competition and guest art director. And the competition went back to the 1930s. Sylvia Plath was, uh, the writer was one of, uh, that was one of the things that helped her get discovered. Uh, Basically all the movers and shakers in the fashion industry were at one time guest editors. Uh, They picked 12 of the top college students in the nation. Uh, I was the first male to ever enter it. As luck would have it, I got to go to, you know, Paris and Rome with uh, 11 beautiful college girls as the single heterosexual male. And um, then uh, came back and uh, fell in with a glam rock band, glam rock band. And uh, we shared a loft uh, 19th and 5th, just below the Flatiron Building. And so we partied all night and I'd wake up in about three in the afternoon, go around to the fashion mag fashion magazines and um, women's wear daily and stuff try to get assignments and on boring days i would call up and ask them to send over brunettes and i'd have a stream of 300 brunettes fr- fresh off the greyhound uh <laughs> looking to make their mark in new york it was a horrible time it's horrible time it does sound but awful i i dumped the girlfriend immediately you know oh yeah and and but then i came back through as a part of a uh, fashion makeover team uh and we came through the departments to, to do a, a session at the department store where she still worked and i picked her out of the crowd for a makeover so we made oh a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah i'm a nice guy you saved it. Yeah, yeah. So, then, but yeah, I'm, I, I, when, when cornered, I describe myself as the luckiest man in the world, either bad luck or good luck, you know? Either way. Either way. And uh, because terrible things happen to me and wonderful things happen to me. There's never any gray area. It's just like you're one, you're, you're an extremist either way. Yeah, 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 pretty much. What's a so, terrible thing that's happened to you? Yeah, you, it you know. begs the question: What's a terrible thing that has happened to me? Yes. Oh, um, I detached uh, the. Re- I flipped a race car in New Zealand. I flipped a race car like a whole bunch of times. I lost count and detached, uh, or, or tore the retina in one of my eyes. Continued to race for six weeks down there, eventually resulting in a full retina detachment, uh, which. I got fixed, but it was in my dominant eye, so I've had to change eye dominance. Uh, a couple of years after that, I had full retina detachment in that eye, so I've been totally blind in both eyes, and not from you know the traditional, not right. that I haven't put in an effort, but um, the uh, 
that was a thing. It takes about two, two and a half years to recover from a retina surgery, which is, I recommend it. I see you're nearsighted a little bit. I am. So if you get floaters, don't discount them. If you start seeing heavy activity and floaters in your eyes, yeah, go see a doctor because that's vitreous material coming loose and it can lead to a full detachment. Um, shattered uh, three vertebrae in my backs, uh, motorsports, got about that much titanium in my back. Um, had my appendix removed in an Aboriginal clinic in outback of Australia. Sure. Um, you know, as one does. As, and, as people uh, do, yeah. Yeah, and uh, had to limp back home while they they botched it. And, uh, and <laughs> Of course they did. Yeah, so I was dying of sepsis down there for a while, and then I limped back home only to arrive at LAX the day after the uh, Boston Marathon bombing. Oh, and everything on. I had And everything I had with me looked like a, a timing device. I had My wife had bought me a one-way ticket six hours before the flight. Nothing suspicious in any of that, you know. So I got the full, how do we say this, butthole room treatment um, at LAX, you know, mm-hmm. while trying to get home just to die. And then I was in the hospital uh, up here for s- several weeks with sepsis. So, it, it, you know, it's either really good or really bad. And <laughs> there's an anvil just out of frame. There's one of those acne anvils just yeah. above my head. Yeah. And, and a grand piano. Yeah, but you are, you are living life, man. I can't, I don't know. I don't know if I've, if I've talked to very many people like you before. I, I can't, I can't think of anybody. You kind of also remind me of Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, remember Zelig? I, that, there's a, a movie probably that's a long reference. Uh, Woody Allen did a movie Zelig where he's it. a guy that shows up next to, you know, I was next to the guy that won the Pulitzer Prize for photojournalism in 76. We both got the same shot, but his got picked up and mine didn't. Um, yeah, there's a million things where I was just this close to something spectacularly good or spectacularly bad. So right. I, I kind of identify with the Zelig character, but Forrest Gump is good too. Yeah. <laughs> Either one. You. You, you talk about also the piece because you're a director, right? So you you have like tools in your tool belt, really, that a lot of photographers that I talk to don't have. Yeah. You yeah, certainly yeah. have experience. You certainly have, you know, a, a storied history of, of adventures and all of that as well. But you, like from a skill set standpoint – you're able to do things and you have done things and you do things that most photographers will never or do not do. So true. And, and one of the, one of the things, one of the, uh, uh, real, I, I guess side benefits or one of the skill sets related to that is, uh, group creativity. Uh, I was an associate professor for about six years in my, uh, mid late twenties. And, um, art students. So the goal is to realize the creative potential of every individual and not just sort of teach, you know, sort of by the pound. And so when I got to Hollywood and I started working with crews, well, I I should back up. I was working as a one man band doing a regional television commercials because I was asked to. And, uh, 
if the shot required sets, I built the sets. If the shot required hand talent to pour a Sapporo beer into a mug, I'd get a manicure and I'd run the camera and <laughs> pour the beer. So um, everything, makeup. I didn't. I don't. I don't do hair. Um, but uh, that, and then uh, group dynamics. Uh, trying to. A, a film crew is like um, creative army and everybody has a, a, a job and a position in, in the squad, in the platoon. And uh, the job of the captain is to make sure everybody is reaching their full potential and moving us all toward the same target, pulling on the same rope, you know? And then I don't pose. I, I actually, this, the word posing is like fingernails on a chalkboard for me. Mm-hmm. I came up when I was a kid, uh, I had an uncle who was an actor, and we always saw the dramatic 1950s and early 60s, you know, acting poses, the black and white, you know, right. stuff. And uh, and then the classic, you know, the Monty kind of posing, and, you know, the women, men wave like this, women wave like this, and shoulder down and shoulder up, you know. Uh, all that just, that actually creeps me out, you know. It's It's... <laughs> So, I do uh, scene motivation and shot blocking with everybody. You know, I try to establish a mindset and a place. I start with a background. I make sure that the, the person I'm shooting understands where we are and, and has, is observant of it. And and then we try to get into a mindset or a motivation. And then I shoot until I get something uh, that I think fulfills the the goal and um is the intent to capture something more natural yeah and and to not have everything look cookie cutter you know authentic yeah i've had i've had people come to me go oh man that thing you did was so spectacular i want you to do that with me Uh, no i can't that's not how it works that's not how it works we'll we'll go out there and make something happen so i work a lot with uh you know people i stumble into in a mall or I see a you know a, a kid with their parents and give them a card something like that, but um, I'm task driven you know on all the stuff I do. Uh, I at this point in my life I don't really shoot unless I'm got an idea concept to go shoot. I don't just walk around going oh the world's wonderful shooting you know I've done a lot right. of that, um, but. I start with a concept and I can generally see uh, an image in my mind's eye and I go gather it. You know, I I pull together the elements to make it happen. So I mentioned that I can draw. One of the things that was a a big hook for me in Hollywood and especially working in special effects, uh, which we were, the production company I worked at invented 3D graphics. We did the very, very first vector, raster, ray tracing, texture mapping. The, all the people at Pacific Data Images and a lot of people at Disney and Lucasfilm came out of this particular shop. Um, I can do storyboards. I grew up on comic books. You know, I just was obsessed with comic books. And a comic book is a storyboard. And um, so I actually created my own little uh, template. 30 frames, 30 seconds. I've shot the commercial. It's a TV commercial. I've shot it in my head. I've sketched it. I've got all the, 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 where the camera is, what it is, wide angle. And as soon as I meet the crew for a tech scout, we walk through and we're going to be here. We're going to be in the mud on a hi-hat with a, a wide, 
this is going to be on a crane. This is a dolly shot, you know, and, and crews really like that, you know, because it, they know that you're going to get done on time. They know right. that you've got your shit together. You're you not a, a schedule of sorts. Yeah. That, that there's a, uh, you know, I shot list as a still photographer, I've always mm-hmm. despised shot list, but as a, as a director cameraman, uh, I am a producer. I make the most money when I'm the most efficient. Well, that's so, what I was going to ask you. Like, what's the big difference? Like you like to, you like to in, in, incorporate elements, right? From, yeah. from wearing one hat and the other, yeah. but where, where does the, where does that road fork where you're like, mm, this is how it is when I'm directing, this is how it is in film. And this is how it is. <laughs> wow. Did I have a stroke? <laughs> I think I just had a stroke. I just stroke. saw that happen. It was like lightning. Yeah. We'll have to fix that. Um, but what's the, what's, do where, where do they well, diverge? When I have to shoot a vertical. Because, you know, movie theaters, you can't turn the screen. Okay. You know, but um, I I would say that there, well, when I first started shooting movie, oh, oh I'm going to say movies, and it wasn't movies, it was motion work. Um, it was the realization that the word movement is involved camera camera has to move so still photographers uh under almost any circumstance they move around they some stand there in bullseye composition shoot it and they're done and other people search for the composition by hand some set up tripods but they're working on a singular composition uh even if you're shooting sports you know you you're kind of planted in one place and you're you're following the action uh, for cinema, the camera should move. Yeah. So it's it's a constant refinement of uh, composition. Yes. Uh, and y- you really can't afford to recompose it later. You can't shoot loose and crop it. You know. Yeah. You can't it, fix it later, really. You, you can, but it's incredibly expensive. You it's, know. Yeah. Right. Right. That's a good point. So so for me, you know, with a cinema camera, you're you're uh, starting with a great frame and you got to end with a great frame and you got to make everything in between great in between. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, and I don't light an individual. I light the, the set. I like the location. So I tend to use more long throw instruments. You know, I'll I won't come in here and put a thing under the chin and, or do the, the current headshot thing where you surround the camera, like a makeup mirror or a ring light kind of look. Um, and I had the great good fortune to work with some brilliant cinematographers uh, when I came to Hollywood. When I came to Hollywood, nobody was interested in me shooting, even though I shot all of my own work. They were interested in me directing. So mm-hmm. I, they put me together with the really, at the time, the best, most expensive cameraman in the world. I shot with Jordan Cronenworth right after he finished Blade Runner. Um, you know. Uh, I'm an, I'm old, so I blank on names. But the guy who shot Tombstone, I shot with him right after he did that. The guy who shot Body Heat, I shot with him right after he did that. It was kind of the hook for our production company that whatever was the baddest ass movie going on right then, we're going to get that director or that uh, cinematographer to do your your Coca Cola campaign or your uh, Chevrolet truck campaign. So, and then I was. You know, I was a director. I told the cameraman what to do, which was astonishing to me. But I had the good sense for somebody in their 30s, you know, 
to keep my mouth shut and my ears open and is that right well i was going to ask about you have guys. to be really you have to be really skilled relationally too don't you because i've been I, from what i understand there are a lot of heads butting between directors yeah. and dps like there are yeah. between photographers and art directors like yeah you have to yeah. be able to navigate those waters yeah and you know the the it is i, I mentioned creative army the director is the general, you know, yeah. and uh, you can hire and fire people. Um, I, I'm, I'm really super sweet and collaborative up until the point that it's time for me to be in charge and be decisive, you know. Right. So I, I make a, a situation that's uh, really good for everybody to fulfill their their greatest potential. But I decide what we're going to do. Right. And, right. And I'm very and I'm and I'm not afraid of anybody i've been in the rooms with the ceos of name a fortune 500 company i probably yeah. have done their headshot or something yeah. or had tried to get them to speak on camera they that doesn't impress me in the slightest not in the slightest you know uh so i'm not intimidated by that stuff you never been starstruck and, no <laughs> oh, okay. So, so, so I'll tell you, I, I got a perfect anecdote for that. So I, sometimes I dream, a lot of times I don't. I had this really vivid dream where I was at uh, uh, Coachella, me at Coachella, never happened. But I was okay. at Coachella and I was out in the crowd and there was a stage over there in the distance. I visualized this Woodstock more in my era, but there was uh -huh. a stage in the distance and I was in the, in the middle of people and a small figure in a hoodie is trying to move through the crowd kind of urgently and uh, toward the stage and so i just decided to be a, a, a guy and and break through the crowd so i get in front of this little person and i lead him up the stage and and it's it's uh rihanna i, I realize when we when we get up there to the uh to the uh, uh roadies and the guards and everything and they let us through the rope and we go back up and we and she takes my hand, pulls me up on stage, and she goes, "Thanks so much, man. I thought I'd never make it in time." She goes, "You want to get a, you want to get a couple of selfies here?" I said, "Yeah," and I take out my camera and I shove her out of the frame, and I shoot myself, <laughs> and I shoot myself with the Coachella crowd in the background because no, I'm not starstruck at, at all. <laughs> There's so many great things about that story. I actually woke up laughing. I was going, "What the, what the hell, Bruce?" <laughs> you know. I, I had I, in my mind. I kept thinking, "Who's he gonna say? Who's it gonna be?" <laughs> and I was going like 60s, 70s, all through, and it was. <laughs> and we so were shining good. like diamonds. We were shining like diamonds. <laughs> That is so great. You know what? Okay, this is this is the one thing that I wanted to ask you that that just occurred to me. You mentioned you mentioned a, a bucket list, and you've lived this this incredible life. What hasn't happened that you want to happen? Um, you know, I've 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 either done a hundred percent everything I want to do or got to 95 percentile on everything I, at this point my uh, I, I really don't have a bucket list I mean uh, I'm trying to get my studio cleaned up here under COVID but um, I would love I would love to go back to sort of my fine art photography roots from college and uh, do more figure photography in natural environments like uh, you know Weston and the old F64 crowd did 
I well, had the good fortune of uh, being in uh, Namibia in the dunes, and you know, there's that dead play place down there, the Victorian town that was overwhelmed by the dunes and revealed. I'd love to get some figure models and go to really iconic uh, backcountry locations, kind of uh, tie in the things that uh, I know about adventure travel with the things I know about fine art photography and kind of just work on, you know, uh, a final great portfolio of that kind of stuff. But, um, and then mentoring, I'm, I'm really into mentoring. I was working with a little, uh, Hopi gal who, when I started working with her, she was 11. They, we ended up with an article in outdoor photographer magazine. She wants to be, uh, is a landscape photographer. She was starting on her iPhone and listened to all the uh, feedback I was giving her through her dad, who's a friend. And then uh, last year we did uh, a couple of concept shoots uh, with a little 15 year old concept model from Texas. I like working with kids. Uh, I like working on concepts. Uh, If you visit my Instagram, you may have seen some of my bad apple imagery that I was Mm -hmm. working on that kind of, so I had heard that Margot Robbie, uh, optioned tank girl which was a graphic novel from the 80s and a really bad movie from 1995 so i i guess spinning off from uh harley quinn she wants to do tank girl and i would love to be the unit uh photographer on that uh i don't want to be the cinematographer it's too much work uh i would love to uh do the movie posters so that was kind of me doing something to send to her production company uh um uh uh, Doug, Doug Kirkland, uh, fantastic guy, Canon Explorer of Life, more Time Magazine covers, more uh, more of everything. He shot movie posters for Out of Africa. He's, he's, if you weren't shot by Doug Kirkland, you really didn't make it. I mean, mm. he shot the Beatles. He shot everybody. And one of the things that he's done throughout his career, he's in his 80s now, and he's kind of done. Um, he was my picture editor at People when I was shooting there in 73 um i would like to to you know take the baton from him and and be kind of the guy that you go to for great conceptual movie posters and things like that that i I'd, i'd get out of bed for that but the rest of it i just it's more about you know turbos and spark plugs I love <laughs> now you mentioned mentorships and mentoring you do you do workshops yep you yep. teach yeah um what does yep. that look like uh from a workshop standpoint teach standpoint what sort of options are there for people people if they want to learn from you the bear rarely emerges from his cave these days but um <laughs> uh i'm going to be doing the first post sequestering uh live workshop coming up here pretty soon tempe camera uh, in Tempe, Arizona, uh, teaming up with Canon, and we're going to do uh, Vintage Warbirds on uh, June 7th, Sunday, June 7th, two 90-minute sessions, and uh, I've got a, a built-from-plans uh, RAF Spitfire that's just gorgeous, plywood uh, construction, just like the real thing, V12 uh, Allison motor rather than Rolls Royce, uh, a replica P51 Mustang. Going to have two Warbirds. Uh, going to have three models, and I'm going to do my what I do. I, I'm going to create a, some concepts. I'm going to uh, 
people that are there are going to get to shoot. Uh, I'm going to go through the process of establishing shots, figuring out uh, camera positions. The way I would do it, I'll bang right. off a few frames. I'll come away with from it with what I want to do. But I'm basically going to go, you know, if you run a 600 millimeter here, this would look like this. And it's going to, and you know, we're going to do a lot of socially distancing uh, super telephoto work. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> But uh, I'm bringing in a uh, African American gentleman who's going to be my Tuskegee Airman. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, African American fighter squadron from World War II, the Tuskegee yes, Airmen. They they flew the Red Tails. We have a Mustang. Uh, since it's not painted with the proper livery, I'll problem solve that by probably doing it in silhouette, and then okay. putting the gentleman in the foreground and light him up dramatically. And where I might use strobes, because stills really respond well to strobes, um, I'm gonna use a, a cinematic theatrical lights. I'm gonna light it. So any anybody there with their camera on P for pro, uh, professional will actually get shots that look a heck of a lot like mine, minus my compositional skills, you know, but sure. Um, sure. I, I'd love to, give me your camera see this negative space try this yeah. try that you know right. so right. i'm very very uh sort of cause and effect oriented when i teach you you try this try that uh and then i stand back and let them discover their own thing i mean i want everybody to find their own voice who right. needs who needs you know cookie cutter replicas of uh, the best headshotter in the world headshot shooter in the world right this minute or you know right. whatever sure um so two 90-minute sessions, uh, the other two models, I'm going to have an RAF, a, a, a beautiful girl who will be uh, based upon an RAF shuttle pilot. They had a, a group called ATA, and they were women who flew the fighter planes to the front lines to give them to the uh, guys that made tradition. The guys were only fighter pilots. And, um, so I'm going to wardrobe a, a gal for that and do a vintage look to it. And then I'm bringing back in my my tank girl uh mm. she has dyed her hair red now so the concept that i'm playing off of is that uh, bad apple my blonde uh zombie fighting tank girl girl is uh has a a, a clone or a twin sister who has commandeered a, a fighter plane and she's just as crazy. And so I'm going to have a full-on cosplay concept and then two yeah, historical right. concepts. Do, so is it, do people go to brucedorn.com to, to check all this out or to, to register? Or, I mean, or if we can get this out there soon enough. Cause... I'll have to give you uh, the, the good contact information. It's really going through Tempe Camera and signing. I think okay. we're about, we're, we're, what are we, about a week and a half out. Yeah. And uh um, half full last time I checked just opened it up a couple of days ago um, so through Tempe camera no doubt uh, brucestorn.com I'm, I'm the world's worst self promoter I haven't yeah. paid attention to my website in a while uh, <laughs> my job is not to get social media followers from me it's for my clients I, I see I put I my see. energy behind getting zillions of followers for my for sponsors them. yeah but um and then if you want to see what's going on with me, it's uh, at Dorn.Bruce on Instagram. Right. Uh, okay. I tried to get Bruce.Dorn, but somebody had it. 
And it turned out I had it. I forgot I got it right after Instagram <laughs> came into into existence, and I totally was pissed off. Somebody else had it, and and, yeah, and it was it. you. But, yeah, and I hadn't put anything on it, but now I have some things on it. But really, it's the other one. Dorn dot. Dorn dot Bruce. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. Okay. Well. I uh I really appreciate your time. This was really really great. That wasn't it, was it? I thought that was a rehearsal. <laughs> that was oh. it, man. We started at the beginning, and I I I rolled from from minute one, my friend. I spoke colorfully. That's all right. There there are things that we can do, and I I can talk to you about this sometime. Maybe we can do some things in post production to fix that. I've had uh, hilariously entertaining times adding bleeps to people <laughs> but that don't where, where they hadn't said anything but if you best. if you it is the best it's truly the best. we could do that a couple of times here maybe and yeah because and you are gonna if you publish this the way we just recorded it right 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 and now oh, i gotta seriously. see something i gotta go and see then, about this aneurysm something happened yeah. with your lights too that's a mystery yeah, because i think i've had another retina detachment uh, <laughs> during, during this thing man i really appreciate it i will uh i'll be in touch about all this and we'll see if we can get this out there soon i'm so regretful <laughs> i thought we were doing background dude okay well have a great day can't ruin my career at this point. <laughs> <laughs>